Hey, everybody, it's Preston here. Hey, guys, it's Clay. Before the show starts today, we want to tell you really quickly about this very cool challenge that we have coming up for listeners of Freelance to Founder. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Something we've never done before. Never done it, but man, I feel like there's a huge need for it because we get on these calls with people and one of the most common things we hear from freelancers is how do I build in recurring revenue? How do I get predictable money every month, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's a big question that we always, uh, I always get. I know you always get. That's right. And so Clay, you guys know from listening to the show, Clay ran an agency that that crushed it on recurring revenue. I've built a couple of recurring revenue businesses myself, and we want to help you kickstart your own recurring revenue. 2021 is going to be your year for recurring revenue. So we're launching a five-day challenge where you can set up your first productized service. Yeah, and that's going to be five days that we're going to show you how to do it, going to give you a little bit of homework, and hopefully at the end of the five days, you'll have a plan to make uh, hopefully thousands of dollars in monthly recurring revenue. For example, in this challenge, we're going to teach you how to price your service product so that it makes sense to your clients and you can start making money fast. And we are actually going to show you how to make an irresistible monthly offer that your clients cannot resist. There'll be live calls with me and Clay. We're, We're super excited to connect with some of you who maybe are too shy to come on the show and have us highlight your business. These are private live calls with a small group. In fact, we're only letting in like 25 or so freelancers right now. So, I mean, to give you an idea, there are 10,000 people that are going to listen to this episode alone that you're listening to right now. So you don't want to wait. If you want to sign up, you can visit freelancetofounder.com slash challenge and claim your spot right now. All right, guys, we're serious about this. Please don't procrastinate. You will regret it. And like, you want to be a part of the first 25 OG original members of this five-day challenge (laughs) because it's going to be the first 25 that are going to be so ahead of the game. Listeners of Freelance to Founder can save 30% on this challenge with promo code podcast. So again, visit freelancetofounder.com slash challenge. Enter the promo code podcast when you sign up and you'll save 30% right away. They're going to go fast, you guys. Don't wait. (laughs) So many freelancers want to figure this recurring revenue thing out. And genuinely, we just hope you're one of them and that you'll join us for this fun challenge. Uh, Thanks so much for indulging us. And now on to this week's episode of Freelance to Founder. So they've been working there for like 10 years and they just got this big promotion and got like a $40,000 pay raise, which is good, right? It's like, that's an amazing pay raise, right? And then not not to toot my own horn, but just last week, I just signed a $3,000 a month retainer client Boom. and yeah. I just got a $36,000 pay raise. Like, I mean, just like that. And then this morning I signed uh, even just a $300 a month. Like, I just gave myself another $3,600. You're there. You're at 40. Pay rate. It's like, all I got to do is just go get a sale and bam, that's it. Where where it would take somebody at corporate 10 years to get (laughs) Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On this week's episode, we check back in with one of our favorite guests from last season, Amy 
quo. Now, you don't necessarily need to go back and listen to our previous conversation with Amy in order to get a lot out of today's episode, but if you want to, we've added a link to the show notes in your podcast player so you can go back and listen to our previous conversation with Amy before this one. Amy's business is growing well, and she even hired her first intern this year, which is a big deal, but she still has a lot of questions about hiring and outsourcing. And since Clay and I believe wholeheartedly that people are the best possible investment you can make in your business, we have a lot to say on that subject. If you've ever worried about introducing your employees to clients, letting go of important tasks, or even if you'll have enough work to give someone after you hire them, then today's episode is for you. We'll get started right after a quick break from this episode's sponsors. Oh, and just a quick note, for the first few minutes of our conversation, Clay's audio is a bit garbled, but we fix it a few minutes in, so we hope you enjoy this episode. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. Uh, I'm joined today by Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey, Clay. Hey, always glad to be here. Always happy to have you, man. And we are joined today, both of us I know are excited because we're joined today again by Amy Kuo. Uh, Now, Amy, if you've been listening for a while, was on our last season, the first season that we did these coaching style calls, and we had a great conversation with her about a lot of different things. But um, we're just excited to have Amy back uh, as kind of a second round. We're going to catch up with her business. But before I dive too much into that, welcome to the show, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Tell us, maybe for those who haven't listened to that previous episode, which we will link up in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to it, I highly recommend it. Um, But Amy, just just tell us like the short version of um, of what your business is and maybe don't give too much away about, you know, the progress that you've made. Maybe you can recap what we talked about last time or, or where your business was last time we talked. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Amy Kuo and I am the owner of Author Brand Studio. So I've been in business for about two and a half years now. So I think when we last spoke, I had just hit the two year mark. And so I specialize in brand design, uh, brand strategy, and I'm in Orlando, Florida. So, um, so when we last spoke, I had started 2020 with some big goals, uh, big dreams, and it's been an amazing year. Um, I've really seen my business grow a lot this year, which has been really fun. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that today. A lot of things have happened since the last season when we chatted last that I hadn't seen coming down the pike. So I'm really excited to give you guys some updates on that and chat through about what's coming next. I'm always excited to hear that 2020 has been a good year for some people because, you know, it's just like our hearts go out to people who it's been a really awful year in terms of business. Um, So I'm glad I'm glad Mm -hmm. to hear that things are going well for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so so um, so you tell us just just briefly what kind of work you do then at Author Brand Studio. Yeah, so um, so my passion is for branding and brand strategy. So that would be um, you know, for startups or businesses who are looking for a rebrand. So I really um, walk them through not just the visual design process, but also the strategy part. So really making sure that their business has a solid foundation uh, because brand is so much more than just the logos and colors and fonts that you use. 
So that's the, uh, my clients come to me knowing that that's the process that they'll get. Um, and they're really excited to dive into that and really set a solid foundation. So that's, that's the bulk of my work. Um, but then also this year, I've picked up a couple contract clients. Um, I have a very steady one right now that I absolutely love working with and might have a few more coming down the pike as well. Um, and so that's been a really interesting way to diversify um, my offerings. It's something that I don't advertise on my website. Um, I really just try to keep my external marketing focused on branding because that's what I love to do. But I so when you so when you say contract clients, yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you asked that. So that would be um, so in my case, it's uh, larger organizations who come to me saying, "Hey, we just need someone to do um, production work or some creative direction." Got it. that on and off. And so it's just a contract. It, it would be like a retainer would be the next step. Um, so I'm just there if they need me. And um, it's, it's something that I'm pretty selective in um, because it's not my focus, but I absolutely love the ones that I do have. And okay. Been, okay. So, so just the, so we're all speaking the same language. These, do these people pay you like a monthly uh, retainer or, or you're not to that stage yet that you just, they have you like on call or, yeah, or they have the... me, um, they have me on call. So they would reach out, um, either the same contact or others in the organization. They'll reach out and they'll say, Hey, we need some work. And then we'll custom quote every project with them. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So it's, so you're, you're their go-to for, for certain projects. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's still good though. Right. Like, it's like, I love being the go-to person for uh for people (laughs) yeah because they don't go to anybody else right yeah it's about the relationship i'm finding i have a really great relationship with my primary contact um with one of these clients and i mean we we feel like friends we just we chat uh we're really on the same wavelength in terms of projects and scheduling and we've really it's really been a great fit so i absolutely absolutely love working with her it's it's a lot of fun and you know it it pays the bills it's great work, great, um, you know, great organization. So it's, but yeah, it's really all about the relationship I'm finding. It's a great way to get your foot in the door in a place uh, that, like you said, it can eventually turn into like a retainer agreement, even where you don't have to start bidding custom projects or anything like that. You can actually just get paid, you know, a thousand or 2000 or five or $10,000 a month just to be their go-to people that eventually they may have enough work that they, they may just, it may just make financial sense for them and for you yeah, to yeah. just um, work out a retainer agreement. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's always the goal is to get something steady, but you know, until then yeah. it's, it's, I think it's a slow game for sure. Well, and yeah, like I said, this is a great stepping stone to that because you at least have somewhat predictable clients. It's not like you have to go out and find a new client every month. Um, you, you can predict more or less probably after a few months, you know, they're going to need this much work every month, more or less, give or take, uh, you can start to predict a little bit. And, and, and you said it perfectly. Like that is the, that is the tipping point from feast famine, roller coaster revenue to predictable, scalable business is saying like, I know how much I'm going to make next month. If I do X, Y, Z, I will make this much next month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think something that's also been helpful with this client relationship is um, becoming a partner with uh, with them, with with this um, individual specifically, trying to be a partner and to raise my hand and offer suggestions and, you know, even something as simple as saying, hey, you said you wanted this image on this page and this other image on this other page. I think if we reverse them, it's going to go with the story better. And they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're right. You know, and that's something that um, in my experience, I found not every, not every production designer likes to do, not every freelancer likes to do. A lot of us like to be told 
you know, this is exactly what you need to do and do it this way. And we just kind of want to check out and do our work because that's what we're good at. Right. And I, I definitely do that a lot myself as well, but I found that being a partner and trying to walk with her and help her be more successful at her job has really strengthened our relationship and really gotten her to really trust me and turn to me for projects. So it's, that's, it's been, um, that's been a really helpful part of that process is learning how to be a good partner with my client and say, okay, the people that I used to manage when I was a project manager for an organization and I reached out to freelancers and I worked with them, you know, what, what did they do that I loved working with them so much? I thought about my favorite people that, you know, I would outsource work to, and I would think back about their characteristics and, you know, they were always flexible. They were, you know, very responsive. They were always kind. They always took feedback in stride and, they were a really helpful partner. And so that's just kind of the, that's what I'm trying to be for my clients, for any of my clients, really. I'm just trying to be a good, be a good partner with them and say, Hey, I'm not just here to do your bidding, but I'm here to help make you more successful at what you're doing, whether that's your day-to-day job, um, you know, when it's a point contact in a larger organization, or whether that's a client who owns their own business, I'm here to, I'm here to help you be more successful at whatever you're doing in any way that I can. Yeah. And I think uh, reframing that, like it makes a huge difference in what you're able to charge uh, and and how many referrals you get from those kinds of clients, because they now see you, like you said, as a partner yeah. uh, instead of as, as someone almost as a burden, like, believe it or not. So I've hired freelancers before and, and believe it or not, you can actually be a burden to the, the person that is hiring you. If you only only push pixels in this case, like if talking about designers specifically, but same with writers or anyone, if you only like do what they ask, then you can actually be a burden because then that person still feels like they have to do 90% of the work and you're just kind of filling in the gaps. And as opposed to like thinking smart about the project, helping solve problems, uh, being proactive about solving issues or making something better, it, it really just goes a long, long way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, initiative, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've even found typos um, in these documents I'm working on. I'll text her a screenshot. It's the 11th hour. I'm packaging up final files. I'm doing a final check. Um, and I'm like, hey, there's a typo here. This should be fixed, right? And she's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for noticing that. But it's because right. I, I, and I say, I know this is a big deal. I know that, you know, this is going out to important clients of yours. I want this to be right for you. So, yeah. 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 Spot on. You know, I get that. I get that a lot with, uh, uh, what you're describing there, Preston, like it, it, it's a burden, right? So I, I've, I think every, every, not every person, but a lot of people have experienced this where it's like, Hey, I'm going to hire you to do these things, but I don't, I don't know what it is. I, you see it a lot in like VAs, virtual assistants yeah, where totally. they, 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 they'll do something, but you have to like completely outline every single step in the process uh, in order for them to do it. And then like, and then there's this, the, the other part of it, which is annoying to me. It's like, okay, they got it done. They don't, they don't, they don't like ask what else they can do next, you know? And it's just like, they'll just sit there and sit back and until they're actually told what to do. And I, I don't know, I find that as a burden yeah. too. So, yeah, I, I agree, Clay. And you know, there was a part of me maybe that used to think there was a place for that, like where, you know, I just wanted to hand someone my process and have them follow it step by step. And maybe there is in certain 
places in business. But for me, like in a small, scrappy, bootstrappy business like I'm running, I need people who think for themselves, solve problems for themselves. And yes, we we come up with processes together. But if there's ever like something they can improve in our process, I always want that to be voiced so that we can make that better bit by bit, as opposed to just like going through the motions. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it, we can try to like, pro- like uh, document the process and stuff like that. But honestly, I think it's them. I think that's the issue is like, they are going to be doing this repetitively. And so it's like, those are the people that, um, that would have the best feedback on that. And so like, right. Yeah. And if, so if they, if they still go by like the process of like what I think is the best process, but they, there could be a better way, but they don't say anything because that's how I documented it. Right. Like that to me, that's an issue. Right. Totally. I'm, I'm always, anytime I bring someone new on or whether it's a freelancer or an actual team member, you know, I'm just always super open about it and say, Here's the process we have so far, but I'm sure there are flaws in it. I'm sure there are better ways to do it. Please, let's chat about it when you want to improve something. Like, let's let's just, or just improve it. Just do it. Um, I This maybe segues nicely into something, Amy, that you brought up when we were chatting via email to try to figure out what would be best to, to talk about on this episode. And that is, um, you hired an intern this year. Uh, so yes. that's that's big news. So I'd love to chat about that. And then what that could bring us into is talking about outsourcing tasks, whether it's you know, delegating to an intern or someone else that you've hired or outsourcing to someone else entirely. Like, I feel like this kind of all fits in that thread. So why don't you walk us through that whole process? Uh, and then we can maybe segue into outsourcing and, and help answer a few questions that I know you have in that regard. That's funny, because the whole time that you and Clay were just talking now, I was just thinking about my own experience in starting to outsource and bringing on team members and letting go of that control, right? Of saying, I have my ways of doing these things and I know these processes. And I think the hard thing for me is saying, how do I get what's in my head in this history of, Mm. oh, you know, all these files are saved here, but then you've got a link to this weird thing here and that, and how do I get that out of my head, but also make it easy for someone else, right? So that's been a really fun journey this year for me. So um, so to answer the question, going back to the intern, so yeah, um, so this was uh, this was this is this is a girl from my school, um, the college that I graduated from years back, and so um, so I guess she got my information. She lives in um, Orlando, but she's back in school in the Midwest, and she was looking for an internship. And uh, our professor, uh, who was my professor um, at the time, and still her professor as well. Uh, told her to reach out to me. And, you know, I don't flatter myself. I was her top choice, but it still really meant a lot that someone would even want to intern with me. And (laughs) I said, no, this is back in, uh, back around the turn of the year, actually. So around December, January, I was like, no, I'm not going to have enough work. It's been really slow, not going to happen. But she just kept reaching out and she said, I just need, I just need the credits. I just need to graduate, man. And she didn't say it like that. But, <laughs> but that's was, what she was thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's what she was thinking. Yeah. She's like, I just need to graduate. And so she, but she just kept reaching out and uh, we actually met up in person uh, before COVID happened. So that was really fortunate. Uh, we got to meet up while um, she was down visiting her family here in town and had a really great chat. We chatted for a long time, really hit it off. And I mean, she's just so amazing. She's so talented, you know, incredible work, incredible skills in illustration and design and really um, kind of fills in a lot of my own weaknesses. 
as a designer, I'm not a great illustrator and that's a big weak point of mine. And so having someone who is, was a huge plus. And so I said, you know what, let's do this thing. Let's, let's do it. I guess worst case scenario, I can create work for her or have her create things just to send out to my clients, just as, you know, thank you gifts, like social media mm. templates or whatnot. That's but a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. But turns out, I mean, by the time she started, I was already slammed. I had several clients already. Um, I had had this uh, big contract client as well, who was taking up a lot of my time. And so I brought her into the process and had her learn, you know, how to, how to do a branding client from start to finish and brought her in. And by the end of the summer, I was so busy that I said, look, I really need to keep you on in the fall. Can, you know, would you be willing to work for me while you're back at school? And we can work remote. Obviously it's 2020. We can do that. And we were doing that all summer as well. So can, can I hire you on the side? And so we've been working together um, even now over the fall, which has been really great. And oh, I, I love that. Yeah. And I plan to keep her as long as I can because she's amazing. That's she's cool. been such a value to my business and what I'm doing and has really been able to pick up the slack in some areas that I was struggling in and lend her skills in illustration and design. And just the way she approaches different design problems has been really a great breath of fresh air for me. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, this is like what Clay preaches all the time, which is, um, make decisions based on where your business will be. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you maybe would have, it sounds like you wouldn't have gone out and found an intern on purpose. Like you wouldn't have sought that out. But when yeah, someone no. came to you, you said, oh, well, maybe we can make this work. Let's see. And then by the time you were making it work, it was like, wow, I'm really glad I have this extra person to be helping with these projects. Whereas other people might just say like, ah, I can't take that on. I, I, I wouldn't be able to pay for it. Or I wouldn't know how to work with someone else or delegate to someone else. And so they shy away from it. And then they miss out on the opportunity to grow both in learning how to run a business and also grow financially, uh, grow their business. Mm-hmm. There's just so much you miss out on by staying in the present instead of looking to the future. You know, that's a, that's a tough, so that's a tough decision. I think like it, it's, it's, especially if it's your first hire, <laughs> like that is a leap uh, for someone to do. And totally. so I want, I want to bring this up because my wife said something the other day we were talking about, um, I, th- I think this is like Monday or Tuesday. Um, uh, of, of last week, actually. Uh, so uh, we were talking about something. I cannot remember for the life of me what it was, but we were trying to make a decision. Um, and one of the things that she said was, and I think this is brilliant because you can apply this towards business, is pretend you already made that decision and act like you, you made that decision already, even though you didn't. Just act like you did, right? And, and what kind of feeling do you have because of that right and if it's like if you if it's like relief and it's like oh this that is was amazing, totally the first word i thought of yeah then yeah. it's like okay that is the way to go but if it's like if, if you if you act like and pretend you like you already made that decision and you're acting like it and it's like it doesn't feel right then okay then that's not the way to go <laughs> you know um <laughs> right so if you if you it's a good practice <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah, if you foresee that you're going to be stressed about paying that person, if you don't think you're going to have enough work. But there is like a fine line between that and just like having unreasonable fear about it, right? There is, yeah. I, I think so too. I, I, I don't know. I think people, especially if you're new to business, like that's just – that's a natural thing to have. I still have it, honestly. Oh, like totally. I, like every – I don't think that's an – I don't think that's a, a, a feeling that will never end. It's just like – how how much do you get used to it? That feeling, and I'm not exactly sure what the decision, what the not decision, what the next call to action is at that point. Maybe you just like you partner with somebody who's better at that, or maybe you're just like I hate to say it, but maybe you're just not uh, made for entrepreneurship. Yeah. You know, if you can't make decisions, like honestly. Can you really like run a business? Because that's all running a business. Yeah. Or if you let fear completely control you, maybe you're not cut out for entrepreneurship either. There is a certain even with even with a very stable, reliable business, like there's always an element of risk. But you're you're fooling yourself if you think there's not an element of risk at a day job or in in lots of other aspects of your life. So. I yeah. think there's I think there's more risk in a day job. I mean, as I know that's really yeah. saying, but I think yeah. 2020 has shown us there's more risk yep. in day jobs. I mean, the the silver lining to be an entrepreneur in 2020 is that you can pivot, you can adapt, and you can grow. It's it's high re- high risk but also high reward, I think. And I think there's a little bit more flexibility um, as well. There's less stability but more flexibility, and I think that's kind of it's kind of a trade-off one way or the other. Oh, yeah, for 100%. sure. Like, like I, uh, I, I just think about, I think about that all the time. I, I, I agree with you. There is more risk. What I really hate about working, like working for somebody else is that it doesn't matter how hard you work. It like your, 
future of employment there is still not in your hands, right? Right. Also, like you still, it doesn't matter how, how hard you work or how much you work. The if you want to get a raise or a promotion, that is still not in your hands. Like you cannot control that. That is on somebody else's plate to make that decision. And so that's what I that's what I hate about like working for somebody else. It's just like it doesn't matter. Like that is you can cannot you cannot control that at all. Yeah. You can do everything up to a certain point, but ultimately it's in somebody else's hands. Whether you get let go or fired, get a raise, get a promotion, whatever. And so, like, I, yeah, I agree with you, Amy. Yeah, as opposed to working for yourself where it's like, well, you could add a new product that you could sell. You could do a launch. You could, like, yep. I've had years where I'm behind, where I'd like to be financially in my business. So we develop something new to make money. Like, we pre-sell something that doesn't exist yet even sometimes. It's like, mm-hmm. there's so many ways to make money quickly when you have the flexibility to do what you envision as opposed to just clocking in every day and doing what your boss wants you to do. And, you know, there's some stability there, but it's really, we've really been fed this imaginary, like, job security tale <laughs> that mm, that yeah. you're just so secure at a job, and you're just not as, yeah. as, as secure as you think you are. You know, you know, it's so funny. Um, so I have, uh, I have a friend who, who had been working uh, at a corporate job, right? Um, so they had been working there for, like, around 10 years, and they just got this big promotion, big promotion and got like a $40,000 pay raise, um, which is good, right? It's like, that's an amazing pay raise, right? But, you know, I was thinking, okay, it took them 10 years to get that, right? And then not not to toot my own horn, but just last week, I just signed a $3,000 a month retainer client and I just got a $36,000 pay raise. <laughs> that's right. Like, yeah. I mean, just like that. And then this morning, I signed uh, even just a three hundred dollar a month. Like I just gave myself another, uh, you know, th- what what is that thirty six hundred dollars? Like yeah, you're there. You're at forty. Like, it's like, <laughs> like all I gotta do is just go get a sale, and bam, that's it. Yeah. Where 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 it would take somebody at corporate ten years to get that? Right. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. And I love even that story. And even then, even then, it's still not in his control. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, ugh. and and it could it could come crashing down at any minute, and plus then you have to have the awkward conversations. Like I'm reading um Ramit Sethi's book on uh what's it called? I will teach you to be rich. It's like a yeah, classic yeah. personal finance book. It's been on my list forever. I'm finally reading it this year, and um he talks about getting a raise, and I just like started to like get anxiety about times I asked for a raise. Like I just hated. Mm-hmm. you know in one job i i like did what ramit said because i had read something about that before i read the book and it was like plan six to 12 months ahead of time talk about what you can accomplish in six to 12 months and if you do accomplish that then ask for a raise and this whole strategy and i did all that and then literally my boss was like yeah i still can't give it to you and i totally had to leave get a different <laughs> job you just you can't control yeah. it like you can't see what's coming as opposed to like you said you figure out how to sell and I mean, the sky is the limit on what you can earn. Yes. I was just describing this to a fellow entrepreneur a couple of weeks ago. We got coffee and I was like, it's just kind of this, I didn't know how to put it into words, but I said, it's like the wild west in a sense where the, there's yeah. really no limit to what you can earn. You know, obviously there are barriers of, okay, how much time are you outsourcing? Like, yes, I get that. But, you know, hypothetically speaking, like it is the wild west. You're not waiting on incremental pay raises every now and then, you know, you can, 
as the business does better, so you do better versus, you know, in a larger organization where that is true to an extent. But, you know, I think, Clay, you were the one who was saying is where you can work and work and work and work and put in overtime, put in hours and hours and hours, and you may or may not get the reward of that versus with your own business. It is the Wild West. You can work hours and hours and hours and put your heart and soul into it and then see the fruits of that labor. It may take time. You know, I think business mm-hmm. comes in seasons, but you can see the fruits of that labor at some point. Okay, so that yeah. makes me want to jump then into, you know, we're, we're quite a ways into this conversation now, and we haven't even really tackled any of your questions about outsourcing. I know I've done a ton of outsourcing. I know Clay's done a lot of hiring and probably outsourcing as well. Um, what, like, what, uh, what questions are you having, I guess, Amy, about uh, letting go of things? I know you had mentioned, like, it's kind of hard sometimes to let go of tasks, it can be hard to delegate. It can be hard to bring other people in on the process. But I appreciate that you see it as a necessary uh, task in order to scale your business. Where are some of the hangups, I guess, with with outsourcing or or delegating that you're seeing at this stage of your business? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I, I definitely wanted to ask you guys about, um, I think, that element of trust, of letting go. Um, I definitely trust the people that I have working with me because they're they're amazing. They really are. Um, so it's not that I don't trust them, but I think especially letting go of bigger clients, um, Mm. where that relationship is built up, it's like, you know, okay, I will still be overseeing the work. I will still be checking it. It will still run through my eyes before it goes off to the client. But I think there is a little bit of like, okay, I held on to this for a while and now I'm getting ready to let someone else take over the day-to-day of this client. How, how do you make that process easy for them? How do you, um, kind of reconcile with it in yourself, if that makes any sense, of letting go of a very trusted project, a very trusted client and saying, okay, I'm going to let you take the lead on this um, moving forward. Letting go can be really, really tough. Um, I So I also have found though that there is almost nothing more magical than than getting that right in business. I, I think like there is nothing that makes me happier than handing something off to someone on my team and it getting done a lot of times even better than I would have. Yes. Um, it's just like so much fun, right? To, to see your business chugging along without you having to do every little thing. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. Um, so that, that was actually what I was going to touch on is the fact that I, I think the feeling of, of uh, letting go has to do with the idea that, you think you can do it better than anybody. Mm, and yeah. that is not the case. There are people out there that can do a better job than you can at certain things. And so like, let them do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I think, I think that's, I think that's just like the, the, uh, the wrong way of thinking with with most people who have trouble letting go of things it's like oh i no one can do it as better as as good as me so like i i'm just not gonna let go of that and that's not true like the fact is there are people who are just much much better at it you just gotta find them mm, i love that yeah i think too with the in, in regards to the relationship piece because because that's talking about you know we've we've talked about maybe the actual skill set the the deliverable that the client gets you brought up a concern about the the relationship piece of it, which is like, I've built up this relationship. I'm, I'm close with this client. I don't want to have them feel like I'm, you know, putting them on, putting them on a back burner or something. Um, 
I I actually have found in instances when I build up a relationship and then, for lack of a better word, pass them off to someone on my team, in some ways, uh, that person almost feels more taken care of because now they don't feel like I'm a potential single point of failure. Like it goes from it goes from it feeling like I'm the only person helping them to now a whole team of people are helping them. And so they they feel now almost more secure in that situation. I still stay in touch. I still get CC'd on emails where there's questions that my team can't answer. I chime in just to, you know, thank them or whatever all the time. But um, but most of the bulk of the communication and the work happens between them and my team. And and so far, it's it's gone really, really well. I mean, for years now, it's gone really well. And I, I tend to think it's because they do feel more secure with more people helping them. Mm, I love that. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. And that's that's, I think, kind of the difference between like an agency and a freelancer. And, and then you can start to charge more and get bigger clients because people, some people prefer an agency. In fact, lots of people prefer an agency over a freelancer for that very reason. Oh, 100%. To know that they have more than just a single point of failure. What happens if that one freelancer gets hit by a bus? Exactly. You know, it's like, well, you know, so they like having a team for sure. So follow-up question then, um, while you guys mentioned that, do you, do you mention that to your clients, especially, you know, in the shoes of someone like myself who, you know, legally is, just one person. I do have, like I mentioned, I do have my, you know, I call her my junior designer now. Um, so I have her on contract, same as my clients have me on contract, but I have her as I need her, um, for right now, that's the relationship. And, um, so she's my junior designer and then I am bringing someone in, um, another intern down the road, but that's another story. But my question was, you know, when the client is used to seeing just me, you know, just me working with them, you know, would you tell the client, Hey, I'm going to, you're going to be working with so-and-so, or even if I'm still the main point of contact, would I tell the client, Hey, I'm letting so-and-so do the day-to-day of your work. I'm just going to be the point of contact and the middleman and the overseer. Or how does, how does that relationship go when there's not a history of an agency behind when, when someone like myself is a freelancer, who's looking to offload some of the day-to-day of that client's work? How does that, how does that look like on the client side? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. I think it all depends. Um, I could see, I could see both ways. Um, I default to saying, yes, tell the client. Um, I, I would say if it's, if it's like a one-off thing, um, and and this is not your scenario, but I'm just mentioning this for the, for the listeners who are in a situation, um, where if you contract, contract something out and it's just a one-off thing, you just need this one thing done. I would tend to say, okay, you don't really need to mention that to the client, especially if like you're the main point of contact. In fact, in that situation, I, I would, I would be the main point of contact. Um, if it's a recurring thing, kind of like what you have now, um, even so if you are the main point of contact, then that's great. Like let, let the client know that. Um, even so I would still like let them know and say, Hey, my team is going to be working on this. And, but I will still be your main point of contact. The reason I why, why I like that, and, and Preston might have some different thoughts on this, but um, is because I like it because it tells the client uh, kind of in a passive way that you are growing and you are doing well, and clients yeah. love that, and and that that kind of gives them a little bit of security that 
okay, this person is expanding and growing, so they must be doing really good work. Um, they're going to be here for the long haul. Like they're serious. And so that's what I like. Um, as far as like giving the contractor uh, the capability or the ability to to communicate with the client directly, I would say that's totally up to you. If that is going to be that person's role and part of their responsibility, then yes, go ahead and tell the client, say, hey, um, I know you've been talking to me, but uh, once, you know, after we, um, during the onboarding proce- process, I'm going to introduce you to so-and-so and you're going to be working with this person going forward and they'll be your project manager or whatnot, you know. Um, that's because like the reason why you want to do this because you're setting the expectation. So I see it a lot too. And I've experienced this a lot where uh, you don't do that introduction at the beginning. And so what happens is if you are not set up to be the main point of contact for that client uh, and it's supposed to be your employee or your contractor, who, however you got that set up, the client is still going to contact you. And that's going to create such a like a busy bottleneck uh, for that because they're supposed to be dealing with your your employee or your team member versus you. So I would communicate that on the front end so that way they know who is the right person to contact in in different scenarios. So Preston might have some thoughts here. I, I agree with that 100%. The only thing I would add is, uh, you know, if you have some clients who you've already been working with a while and you'd like to try to transition them to, to someone else on your team, um, then I think you can easily say, you know, as we continue to grow in order to serve you and, and make sure that you, you frame it as a real benefit to them, which it is a benefit to them. So you, you say, in order to make sure your projects move as smoothly as possible, um, I'm turning you, I'm, I'm going to turn you over to so-and-so. And then you praise them, you know, so-and-so who's super talented at XYZ and is really good at da-da-da and can keep your projects moving forward. And then I usually say something like, but I'm still 100% here when you need me. You can reach out to me. Yeah. You have my phone number. You have my email. You can reach out to me anytime. But I, I don't. I, I know there won't be any issue with so and so. There, they've done a fantastic job with other clients so far. You just kind of really, you just make sure that they, they won't be worried or have have any reason to worry about being transitioned to a new person. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think I think that's a really great way of framing it. Um, obviously, as a benefit to the client, but then. Also, just it's again, it goes back to the relationship, right? I think that's the uh, Disney, the Disney background <laughs> in me. <laughs> I was only there for a short while, but it really just seeps down into every part of you. <laughs> but yeah, it's all about the relationships. It's all about serving serving the client. And I think that's yeah. the number one thing that's most important to me. Whether it's a contract um, like this, where I'm trying to offload the majority of responsibility to my team, um, who I completely trust with it, but. I really want to make sure that the client feels taken care of, or even even with my branding clients, where I still am, you know, handling those um, personally and outsourcing bits and pieces here and there. But it's it, for me, I think my number one priority in business is the client relationships and doing everything I can to make sure that every client feels heard and taken care of, and that I'm bending over backwards as much as possible to make sure I'm giving them my best. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to chat about on the air or or any other questions or updates or anything you wanted to share or or ask of us? Yeah, that's great. Um, I I definitely think the talking about outsourcing was the number one thing because that is something that has come up fast and furious this year that I did not expect and have just been figuring it out as I go along. So I think that was the primary thing I wanted to chat about. 
Yeah, can I make a note on out on outsourcing real quick? I think this might help people. Um, I I think that uh, what a lot of people do with their business, let's just say, let's just say you're growing, okay, growing in revenue. You know what people like to do by default, just instantly, naturally, is to give themselves a raise, right? Mm. Um, I think that's a mistake if you want to grow into a team. If you are if you are wanting to stay solo, great, whatever, give yourself a raise. I think if you want to grow into a team and you have plans of hiring an employee, don't give yourself a raise just yet. What you do is you keep yourself at the same salary or pay that you're paying yourself. And then instead, like if it's going to cost you $5,000 a month to hire an employee, increase your revenue by $5,000 a month, hire that employee uh, instead of giving yourself a raise. Like that's, I think that's the way to do it. I love that advice. I agree 100%. Um, I would say if you're wanting to scale at all, not even just if you're wanting to hire yeah. someone, like if you want to scale your business at all, yes, pay yourself. And, and if you want, pay yourself well, like get to the point where you pay yourself well. But then don't just keep paying yourself more and taking money out of your business. Reinvest yeah. it in hiring people. Even if you just hire, you know, someone, a coach or something for a limited time to to help with some certain problems you're facing. I do that all the time. Or I'll hire a marketer to help with some some social ads or something just for a, a small window and then we're done working together. So I think, yeah, reinvesting in your business as you start to scale is definitely the right answer as opposed to just pocketing extra money. You'll grow a lot faster and it'll be a lot more sustainable in the mm. long term. You know, you know what I bet a lot of a lot of listeners are doing, um, especially if they're freelancers, is that if they make five thousand dollars this month, they take out five thousand dollars out of their bank yep. account. Like that that is I like I would never do that. And so it's it goes back to like reinvesting. One, one, you gotta yeah, you gotta reinvest in your your business, right? But two, you just gotta have a cash. You gotta have a cash uh reserve. Totally. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I guess you could have that cash reserve in your own personal bank account. Money tends to not stick around in my personal bank account as long as it stays in my <laughs> business bank account. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. And what I think what you're saying is you pay yourself a fixed rate. Fixed rate. Yep. And if you want to give yourself a raise, then you, you figure out how to do that, but not at the expense of, of like slowing your business down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And just to just to end that note, I I have never regretted a single penny that I have spent on outsourcing work to somebody, whether it's social media, you know, these these junior designer team members, like I've you got to spend more money to make money when it comes to outsourcing. It's yes. backwards, but it's so true. I've never regretted it. I love That's that. Awesome. I love that you said that. I, you know, sometimes I'll do interviews and they'll say, "What's the what's the best thing you've invested in?" hands down my answer is always my team they want like an app or something people. that i but it's always the people it's always the people yeah that is no going better to investment. be yeah that it doesn't matter what kind of business it's like human capital is always the best investment yeah absolutely i think that's a great way to end the episode amy thank you so much for joining us it's been it's been incredible first of all to hear your progress in such a short amount of time i'm glad you're having a good year and it's just been fun to catch up as well so thanks yeah, thanks so much for having yeah, me. It's great fun. to talk to you guys and get your wisdom and advice on what's coming down next. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, we'll be in touch, I'm sure, and good luck with everything. Yeah, thank you. See you, Amy.
Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit M-I-L-L-O to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of the Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at FreelanceToFounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time, see ya. See ya.